It is a letter that is written to a church in Ephesus. And Ephesus is a place that was very difficult to live in and be a witness in because it was a place where there is witchcraft, occult, idol worship, all those sorts of things. And the letter of uh, Ephesians that Paul pens has more to do with exhortation to the followers of Christ to stay the course, to remember who they are, remember who God is, and also some instruction to say, here's what we need to do to stay the course and stay steadfast in the Lord. It is, uh, it is both uh, theological and practical. It deals with doctrine and duty. It is very balanced. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul lays down the beliefs, the foundation, the dogma of the Christian faith. He tells them, this is who God is, and this is what he has done, and this is what he wants from us. And then in, ver- in chapters 4 through 6, he begins to lay down the practical application because of this, because of what God has done, because we belong to him. Here's what we need to do in order to bring honor and glory to his name. And so he writes this letter, and uh, one of the main things is he wants people to know who God really is. You know, people have a lot of ideas about God, and uh, most of them are faulty. You know, he is some great grandfather in the sky or in a rocking chair, and he is all forgiving, and you can do whatever you want to do, and God will not be upset about it. God will not, he'll let you get by and all that stuff. Well, that might be a a God in somebody's mind, but that is not the God in Paul's mind or in the scripture's mind. That's not what we know of God in the Bible. And so he wants to lay down for them the truth of who he is and, um, and how to follow him, how to copy him. He is our great heavenly father. I know that some of you, here may not have had a great relationship with your father. May not have been that way. But I want you to know that God is a true father. And everything he does is wise and for our good. And we can always depend on him because he is faithful. Elizabeth Elliot, in her book, Be Still My Soul, writes, I have spent my life plumbing the depths of what it means to be a Christian. And I am, as of this morning, still learning. She goes on to say, one thing I learned a long time ago is that we have to receive the life of Christ before we can live it. And we have to live the life of Christ before we can give it and share it with others. So Paul is telling the church at Ephesus that since they truly belong to God, they will live like they belong to God. It will be a marker in their life. And the more they live in it, the more they can give it to others. Receive, live, and give. What a good thought that we are to be who we say we are and to honor the Lord. In chapter 5, we'll begin in verse 1 and go through verse 8. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness 
must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning and for this opportunity we have of worship. We thank you, Lord, already for the time that we have spent in praise adoration of a great God, a loving Father like you are. So Father, I pray now that you will bless the reading and the speaking of your word. Lord, that you will speak to our hearts and touch us and help us, Lord, to realize how wonderful you are. And Father, how important it is that we follow the light that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul begins this with an exhortation. He starts it off, and really, this is a very important thing because if we don't follow this one, we will not be able to follow the rest of what he lays out for us. And the very first thing he tells us to do is to be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God. I don't know about you, but when I see that, imitate God, my soul and stars, that is impossible. Have you ever noticed that when God tells us to do something in the scripture, it's always impossible for us to do it unless he does it through us, unless he works it into our lives. You know, it's, it's a formidable thing to tell, tell somebody, you follow after God, the heavenly father, follow after him. But that's what he calls on us to do. He says, therefore, be imitators of God. Now, that therefore is therefore... Uh, the first chapter, uh, or chapter four, where Paul lays out that, what about the church, what the church is to be about, unity and that sort of thing. But specifically in verse 32 of chapter four, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God. There is such a distinction and a marked difference between what the world does and what we do, to be imitators of God. That is to say, we are to pursue after him. We are to follow him. We are to seek him with our hearts so that we can know him. J.B. Phillips pins that verse this way. As children copy their fathers, you as God's children are to copy him, our heavenly father. Paul's thought here is that if you want to live a true Christian life, you need to look to the heavenly father who is the source and the substance and the strength of all of our lives. He has given to us salvation. Do what he does. Follow him. Copy him. Have you ever uh, seen a young child, maybe a dad is out in the yard mowing the grass, 
and the, and the child is right behind him walking in his steps and he may have a little toy lawnmower right behind him and just taking every step he takes right behind him. That's what he's doing. He is copying his father. And that's the idea of what you and I are to do. We are to fall in behind God in the steps he takes. Those are the steps we need to take too because he is training us. He is developing us. He is helping us to know when we become mature, as we become mature, the direction and have discernment to do what needs to be done to bring honor and glory to the Lord. Paul is saying that God's children should do exactly that. The word uh, for imitator here is the word we get from mimic to just f- copy and just to follow along and to uh, repeat another person's speech or actions or behavior. Uh, and we do that for our Heavenly Father. You have perhaps heard the term copycat. I don't know if you've ever had anybody do that to you or not. You say a word and they repeat it back. They say it, you know, just for meanness. And uh, you might make a move and they'll copy that move. Uh, most of the time, that when, when we encounter that is on a human level, that is so that person can irritate the stew out of us, you know. He wants to get it under our skin. And I, you know, I would like to punch him in the nose, but if he's imitating me, he'll punch me back, so I just let it go. <laughs> but we are to imitate, mimic God. And he goes on to say, in these verses, he will show us how then, as we mimic God, as we copy our Heavenly Father, this is what our lives will look like. In verse 2, he says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He said we will show forth the love of our Heavenly Father. Now you know this world has definitions of love, but none of them match up to the love of God to the love that is displayed and delineated in the Bible there is such a marked difference you and I as children of God have been set apart we are to be different we are to hold a standard that is higher than this world and give them something to look to to see perhaps God in us in our lives we are his children Not just his children, but we are his beloved children. He loves us, and he cares about us. Remember when Jesus was baptized, and the dove came down and landed on him, and he said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. That's the kind of love God has for his son, and he has for you and me as his children. He loves us. And he has loved us in such a way that it has cost him dearly. It is a love that uh, shows sacrifice and it shows that he has reached out to us and even at a different climate, even when we have not loved him. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so he loves us in such a tremendous way. And you think, well, you know, I, I can't love that way. And you're right. Unless we're copying our Heavenly Father. We are following after him. And he will teach us and he will give us the power within to do exactly what he wants to do in us. As we spend time with him, we will then begin to love in the way he loves.
It is a love that is an offering to God, really. When he says here, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, he is pointing back to the sacrificial system. In the Old Testament, you remember that uh, they would come and they would bring pure animals without blemish, and they would offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And the Bible says that it rose as a fragrant, sweet aroma and offering to the Lord. That's the way our lives should be. The way we should love others is to really a sacrifice and an honor to the Lord, and it brings pleasure to Him. We truly care about others if we love like God loved. And we'll love them whether they deserve it or not. I sure don't deserve His love. But we are to follow Him and copy Him, and so we are to love them whether they deserve it or whether they even care or respond to it or not. That's how God loved us. It's a deliberate, intentional act. Pleases God. And that's what we're to be about, pleasing God. As we copy after Him. Not only will we copy Him, not only will we pursue Him, not only will we seek to imitate Him in our life, when we do that, we will show His love, but also we will begin to shun evil. It says in verse, verse th- uh, verses 3 and 4, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. But let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. The idea here is that no kind of impurity, we should not let any kind of impurity invade our lives, including sexual immorality, or greed, or idolatry. We must be careful not to think lightly of sin. It's a subtle and deadly thing for us to think that sin is really not that important. For it will seize us. It will come and it will slip into our lives at every opportunity and, and make its way trying to undermine your relationship with God. I don't think we take sin very seriously in our world today. We think, well, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. You know, I'm, at least I hadn't done anything worse than this, and I think God's okay with this and that kind of thing. We don't take sin as seriously as God takes sin. He hates it. He detests it. He cannot stand in his presence. It is that kind of thing. And the idea here is that if we are not very careful... If we begin to take sin lightly, slowly, not noticeable at first, but gradually, it will begin to come into our lives. And it, it'll just kind of work its way, and we won't even acknowledge it at first. We don't think much about it. We think, well, you know, it's, it's okay, it's okay. And it might be just the tiniest thing in your mind, what this sin is, but it is not tiny in God's sight. It is not tiny in his mind because he died for sin in our life. It's a costly thing for him. And so we will, by degrees, become more and more comfortable with sin. 
And we'll find one day that uh, that sin that we used to detest, sin we could not bear, will soon become, we'll soon be embracing it in our life. And before long, you're further down the road than you ever thought you would go because we have taken sin too lightly and we need to guard against that. The book of Proverbs exhorts us to carefully guard your heart, your thoughts, your mind, because out of those thoughts flow the springs of life. That is to say, what we think about, what we worship, what holds a place in our heart is what we will become like. And if we copy our Father, we'll be coming like Him. But if we allow these things that He just mentioned back into our lives in any degree, we will not be following and copying our Heavenly Father. And therefore, our lives will not be what they should be for Him. But we are to carefully guard our hearts with all vigilance. We become what we think about. Someone has said, we don't need a church that will move the world, move with the world. We need a church that will move the world. We don't need to go along and think, well, you know, it's, it's okay, it's okay. It's not okay. We need a church that will take a stand, that will be firmly planted in the, in the Bible, and will love and follow the Heavenly Father. There's a difference. We must despise and hate and fight sin. We belong to God, and that's how we ought to live. We ought to let the world know that we belong to him. So we show his love, and we shun sin. We fight it. Don't allow it, even the smallest sin. Of course, sin does. We do sin. We're not perfect. But the Bible tells us that when we do, we need to confess that sin and get it straightened out right then. To not allow it to just rest in there because it will, it will breed other sins into our life. And so the last thing is that we will shine his light. Verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. You know, in chapters 4 five and even six, he keeps coming back to that fact that once we were in darkness, and here's here are the things we did. We had filthy talk. We had all kinds of thoughts that were ungodly thoughts. We just did what people in darkness do. Because there's no light. We just don't get it. We don't see it. We don't comprehend it. Have you ever talked to somebody about Christ and you just lay out the simplest thing about him and say, here's what Christ says. And that'll give you a blank look like, I don't even understand that. I don't even think that's a thing. But it is. But because they are in darkness, they cannot see it. And that's the reason our light needs to shine for him. Somebody's shown a light for us. It is the light of Christ. But somebody usually modeled that for us. And we see it. And some people are attracted to it. And some people are repelled by it. It always has been that way. And probably always will. But once we were darkness, we are no more. We are now light. And we should shine the light for the Lord. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. That is to say, you are a reflection of me. 
you are walking in such a way that the hand of God, the presence of God, the goodness and faithfulness of God is upon you because you're copying him and you're living to honor him. Walk that way. Walk that way because you are shining the light for the Lord. You are the light of the world. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul talks about us shining like stars in the midst of a dark and and terrible uh, world. He said, you know, in the darkness of this world, even the littlest light will make a difference. And he said, you'll shine like stars. You will be lights in this world that will, people can see. And if they don't come to Christ, at least they can say, it wasn't because I didn't have the opportunity or because I didn't know. We're to ever be growing into a reflection of our Heavenly Father if we're copying Him. And it all starts with Him. Desire to be like Him as much as it is possible for a creature to be like His Creator. That's what you want. You know, uh, Dr. Henry Blackaby wrote a book several years ago called Experiencing God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. And it builds it on seven realities of what experiencing God is about. And the very first thing he tells us is that God is always at work around us to reveal himself and his purposes and his ways. Do you sense day in and day out that God is at work in and around you? Is, is he showing you himself? Is he leading you to understand his purposes and how he does things, the ways in which he works? That's what we need to be aware of. And he invites us. He pursues us for a continuing love relationship with him. That's what our Heavenly Father wants with us. We will never bother him when we come to him. It bothers him when we don't come to him. And if we are going to be the light of the world, we better go to the source of the light and ask him through the power of the Holy Spirit to shine his light through us. We want to become like our Father. Years ago, a man by the name of Paul Overstreet wrote a song, sang a song called Seeing My Father in Me. And the course of that song is like this. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to read it, okay? So get, get up there. I'm seeing my Father in me. And I guess that's how it's meant to be. And I find that I'm more and more like him each day. I notice I walk the way he walks. I notice I talk the way he talks. I'm starting to see my father in me. You know, when I was growing up, you know, I had the actions and still do, sometimes the mannerisms of my dad. And uh, I thought, you know, sometime I would say, well, you know, when I grow up, I am never going to do that what he did, and lo and behold, I do it, same thing. Just, it just is ingrained in us. We are born into God's family. He is our Father. And we will become like him if we will copy him, if we will follow him, if we will let him influence our life and show us the way, and then in obedience we follow after him.
God, our Father, is the greatest Father of all. There's none other like Him. The more we know Him, the more we want to know more of Him and become like Him. Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray that You would help us to be like You. Father, I pray that You would give us more and more of Your likeness, that we will love You more and more. We will seek You more and more. And we pray that you will stir our hearts to live more for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn of commitment is going to be 216.